You're listening to Puck Pacific episode 17 with your hosts, Bo Hamby and Mason Riley. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and enjoy the show. Again, my name is Bo Hamby. I'm Mason Riley. And you are listening to Puck Pacific, episode 17. And we are in the midst of the playoff race. And when it comes to the Pacific Division, only three teams are left in that race. Well, only two teams are left racing, I guess. Mm-hmm. For the moment. Um, if you missed it last night, You'll be listening on Thursday morning, afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, We are recording Wednesday night, just after, about an hour after the Flames were eliminated. If you're in Calgary and you don't know that and you're listening now, I don't even feel bad for you. Like, you should have known. Yeah, plus you missed some great games. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's the unfortunate bit for Calgary fans is... uh, they deserved at least one, it would seem. And uh, But before we dive into that, just a quick update around the league, I guess. Um, Wednesday night, so we saw tonight, we saw a couple of, of good games as well. Washington-Toronto, again, ended in a one-goal game. 5-4 uh, to four Capitals, they tied it up, the series. And uh, Senators-Bruins, another one-goal game. In fact, one-goal all-game. Um, yeah. The Senators won, one nothing. Um, Craig Anderson with the shutout, props to him. Another shutout from Devin Dubnik. The Wild winning a huge game, keeping themselves out from elimination, winning. And then finally we get back to the Ducks and the Flames. Uh, Sean Sean Monahan with his fourth goal in four games. Um, Huge performance from him in the playoffs. Unfortunately, it could not keep the flames alive could it no no uh they played great games i mean even looking at the stats tonight you would think that they would be a 2-2 game or you know maybe even the flames on top um they had 37 shots to the 25 of the ducks but uh looking at the shot chart and having watched the game almost all of those are, were from the left face-off circle kind of outside of where you want to be shooting from i would say before before you get into this the the, the breakdown specifics um I would say from a from a watching the games on the outside, like not even looking at shots on goal, Corsi, uh, save percentage, whatever. I would say from an from an overall view, the experience seemed to hurt the Flames in a way that other inexperienced teams, it has not hurt them. Um, for example. The Oilers, I guess Game 4 could be a case against that that theory. But the Maple Leafs, um, that idea that a young, inexperienced team, I would go so far as to say the Senators even. They've mm-hmm. made the playoffs a lot, but they have a lot of young players, and they've tied the series up. Um, I would say the Flames are the only team where experience really maybe hindered their ability to to go out there, as opposed to the Ducks who had who knew what they were going into right away. Yeah, it's really too bad. I, I think you want to see playoff Johnny Gaudreau. You want to see him show up and score some goals. 
Um, and that's that was a lack <laughs> that was lacking in the, in all of these games. Just two assists. Yeah, did he get an assist points. tonight? Uh, I don't believe so. On that yeah, one hand, well, either he? even if he did, it's it's meaningless. Did he I mean, on that he didn't no, score. he wasn't even. He, he didn't score a goal, and that was. Yeah. I mean, it's only four games, which is hard to judge someone on just four games. And no, he didn't get an assist by the way tonight. Um, Versteeg had three assists and I believe a goal or two. Um, so mm-hmm. a big performance for yeah, from Versteeg, and that again adds to my argument. Versteeg is the kind of he's been on the Chicago Blackhawks in the playoffs. He's been on the LA Kings in the playoffs. He's been on really good teams that have playoff experience that have gone deep and he was the only one that went into that series and knew how to play right away was scoring from game one and 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 knew the style of play and you don't you don't change how your team plays i think that's kind of if, if we're going really off tangent that's what's screwing up with the rangers is that they're trying to be too physical mm-hmm. instead of staying to their speed and i think the same thing could be said for the flames in a sense is that they tried to outmatch the ducks in size and physicality definitely and that's not their that's not their game style and you yes you have to be more physical in the playoffs but that doesn't mean your game style becomes physicality yeah and i think when you're playing a team like the ducks where you have i mean in game one we saw some dirty plays from kessler and you have some crazy hits from uh getzloff sorry spaced right there um, so it's just it's you're playing a bunch of really big dudes and you have a small speedy team for the most part and the only player who was really able to survive that was Monahan being able to score a bunch um, four goals in four games is, yeah so I mean he was the only bright spot really for yeah I mean points. he can hold his head high and say that he played the best series that he could have played um, I, I mean obviously it's a team effort and they got I mean the cliches of every interviewer are gonna be you know we didn't we didn't play well as a team. But, but even then, like your best play, if we're going with you know cliches, your best players are supposed to be your best players, right? And mm-hmm. if and if Goudreau is ending the series with two assists in four games, you know, uh, Matthew Kachuk, another big name, no points, mm-hmm. zero points in minus four games. Minus two, I believe, or maybe uh, three yeah, series. and and two two minor penalties. I mean, uh, he's a young guy, so it's his first playoffs. But if you look at other young guys around the league, Zach Wierenski, huge impact. And these are guys, Matthew Kachuk was in the Calder conversation with those names. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews, he's leading his team to a 2-2 even series with the Caps. Um, Connor McDavid, he's 2-2 tied with the with the Oilers with a goal and a couple assists to him, his name. So when you, when you go down the list like that, while the Flames had a really impressive regular season, it shows how much easier it is to be consistent in the regular season as it is to when you meet a team like the Ducks who have who have been to the playoffs I think they've they've now won been number one seed in the playoffs five years in a row so they know they're facing an underdog almost every time and they just with five years of playoff experience all with disappointing ends by the way they are going in year after year after year with more and more expectations and they are gonna beat the shit out of you first round so if you're coming in with maybe a little bit of hesitancy, you know, oh, we're happy just to be in the playoffs. We, yeah, you're going to get fucked. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I think that they're, they've been able with the, the five uh, Pacific division titles, they have been able to keep that core player base that they've had. And then the only thing that's happened this year is the change of coach. And we'll see if that pays off for them. I mean, they acquired, well, he, he came in last year. Okay. That's, that's, right, that's or, right. Was it two, two or three years ago now? It might've been two years, might've been right. three years. Um, Cause they made it, they made it the year before last. I felt like last year they were having all these arguments, but maybe that maybe no. Not. They made maybe it the I'm year really before last that. with a really great year. Um, 
Cause I yeah, cause I remember Perry and uh, and Getzloff getting a bunch of like you know headlines about how they're unhappy with the coaching situation and all this stuff. But maybe that was. Oh no, yeah, he just came in this. It was this came, season. No, what what? This is 2016, yeah. 2017? Yeah, this is his first year. Okay, so, I, so I wasn't... I'm no, not crazy. My bad, my bad. But uh, so they changed the coach, so maybe we'll see if that pays off. And then they acquired Patrick Eves, who gets that first goal tonight, which I don't know if you saw, Bo, but... We'll see. We'll see ridiculous. if he, The dude is... Honestly, we were talking shit about how Anaheim didn't do enough to bolster their team this year at the, at the trade deadline. We were like, Bob Murray, you know, he's done these same moves every year. He's got one guy and expected Getzloff and Perry to do the, mat, the rest. Getzloff has done that so far. Perry, mm-hmm. no. But Eves is way better than Patrick Maroon or, let's see, who else did they get at, at some of the trade deadlines? Um, shit, I can't even remember. I can't go back that far, but... But either way... Vermette was no, he was off season, but either way, uh, Eves has been. I mean, not only did he hit thirty goals by the end of the year and eleven with Anaheim in that since the trade deadline, he then scored a huge goal in Game Four. I mean, think about it. Anaheim has always struggled with the the final closeout game. We're talking Game Seven. Randy Carlisle, he he's known. He can't win playoff games. If I mean, so for Patrick Eves to get that is huge, and then for them to close out the series in a sweep instead of going back to Calgary is so much better for the second round for the Ducks. Definitely. Like I, I have confidence in the Ducks for the first time in a while because they were able to close that out. If they weren't, I feel like shit. We're going back to the same Ducks. I mean, they are. They already pulled Gibson in favor of Bernier, and you know. Carlisle was itching to do that. As soon as he let up a couple goals quickly, he just wants to see if Bernier, what Bernier's got. You know he's he wants to see that. Well, he didn't do it so quickly. I think it was 4-1 when he did that in, in game three. Right, but... But still, yes, he did want to see Bernie in the in there and see if he could get him some some time and, and save, maybe maybe save Gibson, maybe just go straight with Bernie. Um, but he went back to Gibson. Yes, and it worked out for him tonight because he only gave one goal. Um and really, I mean, the score says three to one, but it was—it's the only game that's not gonna look like a one goal game. But it was a one goal game. Getzloff got an empty net with like a minute left. Right. So all these games are so close, and the game three game is just insane. The game that's three, the one they should have won. And and th- and that's if you're and Giordano said it as uh, he said that was probably the most disappointing loss as a Flames player he's ever experienced. Goddamn right. Yeah. Because you win that game, which you should have. You had what? I think they went up three nothing. Was it three nothing or two nothing? I think they go three zero and then go three one four one. They pull the goalie and then all of a sudden the Ducks just started coming. Ducks back. third period comeback and and if you win that game, it's two one and you have a home game, and you have so much more confidence going into a game four if it's if it, if you have the chance to tie the series instead of being swept, and and that's it. I mean that's. I think the worst part about that is it was at home. It was in Calgary. So like. If you do that in Anaheim, maybe it's a little less because hurtful, you know but... you know people in Calgary are celebrating so much harder than in Anaheim. Just that they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're going to sell out no matter what because the fans believe that they're going to win in in Calgary because that's what Canadians do. They're they're nice people, and you know in Anaheim they're like, well, fuck, it's Randy Carlyle. What are we going to do? Here's a fun fact: Randy Carlyle. That was his first playoff series win since. He was with Anaheim for the first time in 2008-2009, his second-to-last season, or his third-to-last season with Anaheim. Um, 
they they lost in the second round, so they won in the first round. Okay. That was his, in 2008, 2009, so that was almost 10 years ago. I believe if the uh, USA announcers are to be held correctly, um, that this was the Ducks' first series sweep in their history. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, First season sweep in their history. Um, it's surprising. They've been swept before. I'm almost positive of that. <laughs> um, uh, but but honestly, to, to me, I think we talked about this either last week or the week before. We we looked at the breakdown of some key players, and it was you know Backlund versus Kessler. Kessler was better than Backlund all series. Backlund had one key goal last game. Mm-hmm. And uh, game two, he had a shorthanded. Was it game two? That was yeah. a shorthanded. Yeah. Okay, that was that was the big goal. Getzloff was better than Goudreau by miles. Um, oh, definitely. By yeah, like, Monahan was better than Perry. That was the only player for me in my mind when you're doing matchup to matchup that was better. And and Gibson was better than Elliott. And then you go back to the defense. Shea Theodore is tied for uh, – or is the only defenseman in top ten in points right now in the playoffs. He's tied for third with five points, and that's with – I mean, Malkin, I think, leads the leads the lead, uh, score, uh, playoff scoring in points, but he's tied with, like, Kessel and, and – And Raquel, actually. Basically all these – no, he's the only, he's the only uh, West Coast player in the top ten. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, you know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at stats before the game, yeah. Yeah, no, Shea Theodore, I mean, two goals, three assists. You know, obviously, Anaheim is depleted on defense. And and while I won't say that their defense has been the shining spot of this of these four wins, I would say the offense is, is more and the goaltending has been more uh, of note, um, which is good for Anaheim, by the way. The, the offense has always been the problem in, in, in the postseason, it seems. So, um the fact that they got that offense and and Getzloff is looking really good and Perry needs needs to turn it on still he hasn't he hasn't been good all season but the rest is I mean with Theodore kind of filling in and, and they still have Votnin and Fowler out now which is you know Fowler looks like he might be closer than people think but at the same time they need they need those guys and the fact that those young guys are stepping up I didn't think they would and and they are. Definitely, and I think the reason I wanted to preemptively uh, mention Raquel is because he does kind of make up for that matchup that uh, where Monahan is, you know, superior to Perry. But when you have someone like Raquel and Eves as well to step up and and score, that, that makes it an easy series. That makes it a four game sweep. I mean, I think at the end of the day, though, as good as Anaheim was, I am more disappointed in Calgary. Oh yeah, it's a letdown. I mean, it should have been at they, least a five or they, six game series. They needed to win. They they could have won at least they should have won at least one and the fact that they didn't for me is really disappointing because like as a kings fan like calgary just got swept out you're telling me the kings aren't going to put up at least one win against the anaheim ducks that's my that was my first thought when i looked at the right when i was watching the game tonight i was like well i think the kings would have taken a five right at, at least, least one <laughs> and calgary it's just nothing if nothing if, if nothing else but quick shut somebody out but and calgary killed us all season i will not like that's Calgary killed killed LA in the worst in in the most important times. They won the big games, but when the Kings are in the playoffs, man, they would have they would have taken Anaheim to at least I think five or six. Yeah, but in that, but it's the thing of like the regular season matchup versus the playoff matchup. But also, know. what happened to Elliott? He didn't play poorly, but he he for... wasn't nearly as good as he was for almost the entire last half of the season in Calgary. Um, his it, okay, for, yeah, it's basically for me. As as much as you missed Goudreau, you also missed superb goaltending. That I, I won't say Anaheim stole games in Gibson, but but Anaheim was clearly the better goaltending. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at this without the stats added in for tonight, I mean, he had an 855 save percentage on the series for the first three games. So that's, yeah. And he got pulled after three shots and one goal. Mm-hmm. So, so, so Calgary is obviously heading home. The only thing that now, well, you know, now that, home. right, now that we're, well, yeah, but they're heading to the golf links. Um, but now that it's over, it obviously makes me mad because you'd think the, the Kings would have put up a better fight than that. Well, the worst part of it for me is now they just get to sit and rest while we play out this three-game series in Edmonton and San Jose, which is going to be... I mean, so I picked the Oilers to win last week, and uh, I think that now that it's gone four games and it's tied up at 2-2, although I still don't have faith in my Sharks, uh, I, I still think they lose in seven. Um, but it is, it is a silver lining that we were able to put up so many goals last night. I think it shows that they were able to bring their game up to the level that they were at last year. The question is, are they able to sustain that? I think for Edmonton, the question is, are they able to put that game behind them and go back to the performances they had in 1, 2, and 3? Because to me, they were they were better than San Jose in games 1, 2, and 3. Well, they were... Game 2 was some... It was probably the most... I couldn't. I can't even put it into words how disappointing that game was to give up to lose on two shorthanded goals and be shut out. That is the worst hockey I've ever had to watch in, That's, of my own team in my whole life. You're right, oh, especially so in the bad. playoffs and at home, right? Uh, yes. No, no, no. It was in Edmonton. No, game, game two was two, in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Edmonton. Yeah. But and not only. Okay, so one of those shorthanded was scored by Connor McDavid. That's okay. <laughs> That's can we talk about? Acceptable. Can we talk about? Mr. Superstar of the series Superman, right now? Superman, Zach Cassian out here? What is this? Oh my god, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What is he doing to us? He's wrecking us He's left playing and right. the best hockey of his life mm-hmm. right now. I, I think that's easily agreed upon. Um, oh, definitely. I mean... He's got, what, three goals now in the series? Uh, Only two. Only two? But, I mean, he's been a huge but factor for each them. each of them have been huge goals. Mm-hmm. And the hits, the hits on Couture... I mean that that drew oh. enough attention as it was, but the hits. I mean every shift he's been physical. Uh, he looks faster. I mean they they're playing him with McDavid last time I saw, and that's. Mm. I mean I think that's testament <laughs> enough, you know. Yeah, I mean he's getting plenty of time on ice for somebody who was. I think he was playing like third line minutes, maybe if not, second line, if not yeah. fourth. No, yeah. if not fourth. But yeah, now he's he's one of their best players in the series, and if he continues to do so, it, it's going to be bad for us. I, I think I think. The bottom line, though, even with Cassian's raised play, the the Ed, Edmonton's been able to pretty much contain Burns for the most part. Mm-hmm. The Oilers, I mean, sorry, the Sharks have pretty much been able to contain McDavid for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's I I don't <laughs> I don't know what it's going to come down to because although the Sharks look better. In game four, I think the last three games are going to be able to come are going to come down to like what team raises their level as a whole. It's not going to be one player because oh, yeah. each team knows each other so well that they know when Burns is attacking. They know when McDavid's got his speed. It's going to be a whole team thing. The goalies have almost been meaningless. Like there's been three shutouts in a row, but that almost means nothing compared to the real game, right? Well, I think what I noticed last night is I had flashbacks to that series, that the infamous series of the Sharks versus the Kings, because we won a couple of those games like five zero, and and I think one of them was like well, seven two. The first, the first two was like six one and seven two. Yeah, something, like something insane where we scored so many goals. 
And now it's going to, you know, can we continue that production? Or we did we just get it all out of our system in one game? Well, I don't, I don't think it's about scoring six or seven goals each game. I think it's about realizing you are able to execute, but then also maybe scale. Because you know Edmonton's going to come out hard next game. It's, mm-hmm. it's back in Edmonton now. Game five is back in Edmonton. They're going to come out fast and strong. You know you can score if you're a Sharks player. The, the question is now you have to balance that and, and know you can execute while also defending what's going to be a very, very strong, very fast Edmonton attack. Yeah, and I, I think, well, it was great to see Pavelski and Kachir get out there. And actually, one of uh, Pavelski's goals was off a nice burn uh, slapper that he just tipped in, which is, I mean, that's, that's part of our offense. Um, but it also, it's been surprising how well, like, uh, Joel Ward, Marcus Sorensen, and when the pairing with Schlemko's out there, this little unit that they have going on, they have great communication. They're they're moving the puck well. There's not they're not giving it away, and uh, it's Sorensen got to finish one off last night, get his first playoff goal. Um, so that's that's really good to see. So that part I am excited for because if, if how many can... how many games did that guy play in the regular season? Sorensen? Oh, I don't I have no idea off the top of my head. Let me uh, give me a few clicks here. Was but... it less than ten? Uh, I would say probably in the twenties, but okay. I, I honestly I mean, I, he wasn't he wasn't a player that I noticed almost at all. Well, also the Kings stopped playing the Sharks. He had nineteen. Nineteen, and games. that's just, that was this is his rookie. I mean, this is not real. This is his first season, year. Yeah, first no, year. I mean, he to me that's the kind of guy that you need those young players to make an impact. And obviously, Hurdle has been a very good forward for the Sharks through four games. Uh, not so much in points, but but maybe just in pure impact. But those young guys, in the same way that Toffoli, King, Nolan, Pearson were for the Kings, you could even talk about uh, for the Oilers. McDavid, obviously, but then even uh, not, Larson's not a rookie, but uh, Clefbaum. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of younger guys who are making their playoff debuts, and those guys can make a big difference Tagular, because right? – because, yeah, uh, Kajula, I think it's Kajula. Kajula, yeah. Um, I think I think those guys can even Drysaddle will will nobody knows what to expect from them. So when they do up their game as Sorensen and even maybe LeBanc, uh, he got scratched though, didn't he? Yeah, Tierney, I still consider in that. I Tierney little... had last year though, so yeah. to to make it to the final, I would I would say no. Um, the Sharks don't have too many. I would say LeBanc. Melker made it last year. Um, oh, Meyer. Meyer. Meyer, who's had a huge... He had nine hits in game three. Mm-hmm. He's been a huge player for the Sharks. Those are the kind of guys. Sorensen and Meyer are, are the same, for me, the same vein as Toffoli and Pearson in, in 14 for us. If if the Sharks want to make a run, you're going to have to rely on youth. Every team does it. Mm-hmm. So if those guys are them, you know, I like the way they're playing so far. But... I still don't know. These last three games, I really feel are up in the air. Well, I think I think whoever wins, if, if Edmonton can win at home, they have a really good chance of shutting out the series in San Jose in Game Seven in Game Six. I I don't feel that. I do feel they. So I, I think that both teams will win at home, and that and that they'll Edmonton will win Game Five. You think San so? Jose will win Game Six because this, now we're even. I think I think fight like hell to win yeah. in Game Six. Yeah. And then game seven, I think Edmonton takes it. That's my that's my feel of the series right now because it, Talbot's played amazing, and you know he's got two. He played amazing shutouts. until well, he played amazing until game four. He yeah, but he didn't you know that so game's in the past now, and I think he can just you know go right back to where he was. I don't think it's gonna mess him up at all. It'd be well. Um, 
I, I don't know. Probably just we'll keep talking. Him. I'm probably gonna, I'm just gonna look at him. Cam Talbot stats and see the last time he gave up a ton of goals and see what his game after that. Well, was. that game too, he just stopped so many good shots. We had actually pretty good offense. We had a lot of special teams. I don't know exactly how many power plays we had, but we were getting shots off during that, and he was making saves all over. Um, the only problem was I think we didn't get the the puck to the blue line and get burned some slaps in there, but we were getting plenty of of right in front of the net shots and just. He just blocked everything. Um, and that's credit to their defense as well. Um, and I think both defenses are playing pretty well too. But um, I think that Edmonton's going to end up, because of their offense, and I think McDavid will have a game in Game 7, um, we we might not walk I did. I did alive. like McDavid's physicality. Although the one thing I didn't like about that is I felt he sacrificed some of his offensive potential to maybe throw an extra hit. I do not like that at all. I, I hate that shit. I, I, you, the playoffs are physical, yes, but don't go out of your way to fucking throw a hit and waste your energy and potentially injure yourself even when you're the fastest skater and best finisher in the league. Don't fucking do that shit. Well, I think um, what the coaches always say is, you know, we need to play our game, and that's not McDavid's game. Right, exactly. His I, game. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I've definitely noticed that because he's somebody who, when I, when I watched the regular season games of him versus Sharks, him versus Kings, whatever other games I was watching of him, it was... He stood out so much because he was able to get the puck and break away, make space for himself. And that's yeah, and not without anybody anymore. else, no, no other teammates, he can make space for mm-hmm. himself. And he now he's more focused on this like grinder game, which is not his game. I mean, I it's not. It definitely hasn't shifted entirely. I mean, no, he does I, have I like that he's more offense. physical. I like that he's more emotional. But he's he's make sure that's not all of your game. Mm-hmm. So by the way, um, back to Cam Talbot. He's given up more. He's given up five goals three times. During the regular season, he gave up five goals three times and six goals once. That, those were his most goals allowed. In each of those games, he those were all losses, by the way. The following games in all of those, he was 4-0 with only two goals allowed. Wow. Wow. So, expected big game, I would say, from Talbot. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, he... I mean, with the, if you don't count the barrage that was last night uh he's only given up three goals all all series but by the way um dry was not suspended oh yeah let's what do you think about that so i i wanted to bring that up actually to you because so now that it's basically a three-game series do you think and this doesn't apply to pacific division even just generally in the nhl if it was a lesser player a lower line player that they would have suspended him for doing something like that. I think the better question is, if it's before the playoffs, do they suspend him for game one? I think they would. Well, actually, no, because the, the spirit, the fact that it was in the nuts is the part that makes it worse. I, I think I think anytime you use your stick as a weapon, you immediately get game one game. Yeah, I... I think I no matter I think there needs to be a rule outside of the Department of Player Safety that says if you use your stick as a weapon and and it doesn't result in injury outside of that game which it didn't mm-hmm. one game you're done sit think about it learn from it no matter what the situation one game if it results in injury that's when player safety comes in and you determine the length well the only the only reason i think that talking about it from like a, a star perspective is interesting is because uh I, I do believe that if it was somebody that was on the like fourth Michael line, Haley? yeah, they would just 
suspend him the one game and it wouldn't have been a second thought. I think even if it was Michael Haley, I don't think it was that bad. Of, honestly, it it sucked. It was in the nuts. It was a bad spear. I, I still think he should have gotten one game. I don't think if it was anybody else, I still think they would have just fined him. I, we, I mean, think of the shit we've seen in the playoffs now. Like, it's... it's it, but I think, like, all leagues, not just, the, like, not NHL, especially, like, NBA, I'm just going to throw them under the bus here, but, like, the NHL as well is definitely not uh, immune to looking at it from a, a big player, big persona in that market perspective and saying that they want them to be in these games and they want to see them play. Yeah, I guess you're right, because if you look at Matt Calvert, I mean, he's a he's a star player on the Blue Jackets, top six, but, I mean... He basically, <laughs> I mean, almost took a guy's head off with his stick. I don't know if his stick was cracked beforehand, but he broke his stick over uh, Kunakel's shoulder and then proceeded to uppercut him. I mean, I'm, I may be exaggerating a little bit. And uh, was he suspended? Was he uh, one game, right? Just one game. I, I should have looked before I told the story, but... <laughs> It's this is what I'm talking about. The NHL and the playoffs, especially the Department of Player Safety, is to me impotent. It's it's incompetent. All of those put together, and uh, that's why I think that with dry saddle, with any stick and fracture, if you're using your stick as a weapon, in any case, at least one game. If it's an injury, look into it more. He was suspended. Based on the just quick one, one TSN game. article, one game, right? yeah, just one. Yeah, that's what I thought. But so yeah, so I think, I think the other part of it that makes it that they didn't want to suspend him for a game is it was no, yeah, no lasting injury, no injury. But yeah. he used the stick as a weapon. Yes, one game at least. At least, also he fucking sucker punched that guy. Yeah, plus, it's like that's like the dirtiest type of dirty you can have as far as like, like Kunakel was bending over after getting hit in the almost face. With a stick that cracked in half, bending over, nursing his injury, and then less than a second later, he gets uppercutted slash shoved to the ice. Only a game for that. And then we can go back just, what, two years ago when Duncan Keith slashed Jeff Carter in the face and got, I think, just a game as well. I think just one game. And that's Maybe definitely two. a star player type and, deal. Oh, I want to pull my fucking hair out because of that. So... So that's what I'm saying. I, I just think, I mean, obviously I think he's not as big of a name, but he is a, a key player in there on their team, and that's kind of what makes it a little However, bit harder to However, he is not a star in the league. He may be that's a key true. player, on the, but but there's a difference between Crosby getting suspended and Dreisaitl because he's been – Crosby's been in the league for a while. He's mm-hmm. He knows the refs. And I'm not saying the refs are going to say something to player safety, but he's – you know, Crosby's got a resume – Drysdale doesn't really have resume. Plus, it and makes while, national news as far as other than. And just while he, this news. is his first now fine, uh, it does mean something, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does anything in future games, I think it will be scrutinized more and, and possibly could get him suspended. So, so it, I, it's not the end of it for him. So I think the last thing for me, at least, to look forward for if you're gonna watch. Uh, well, you will be watching Game Five, which will be tonight if you're listening on Thursday. Um, is the power play for the Sharks? So I was looking at this. Um, the total number of power plays for each team in the playoffs so far, the Sharks have 22. That's nine more than any other team. That's a lot. That is a lot. That means the That's next team, the next most team has 13. Wow. So 
The Sharks with 22 power plays. They had four in their last game. So they have they now have a power play percentage of 22.7, but that is obviously hugely in thanks of the last game. To me, the next game, obviously, because of that 22 power plays, the Oilers are going to take penalties. If they can penalty kill well and the, and the Sharks are, are kept out of funk on the power play, I think you could see the Oilers. That That's the way the Oilers are going to try and take victory. The Oilers are much better at 5-on-5 five five than the Sharks. But if the Sharks get put on the power play... Bad news for the And they've been taking quite a bit of penalties, as we, as we said. Obviously. Want to hear a weird stat that I just I just found out? So we, we had said that they had uh, kind of stifled burns. But he does lead the team in shots with 18, which second place is 11 from Hurdle. Yeah, 8. and But that's, that's expected. The unfortunate part is that's not resulting in goals mm-hmm. at this point. No, I just hadn't realized that he had taken so many shots. It, didn't, it doesn't feel like that when I watched the games. 18 through 4 games, that's 6 per game. That's... Right, six per game? No, that's more than that's that's less than that. It's like oh, four and a half per game. Yeah, that's almost less than what you're expected of from Burns. Yeah, uh, I mean, because he's out there for quite a few minutes. I mean, he leads the team in minutes. Nobody else is at a hundred minutes, but uh, at the same time, he he isn't he isn't getting open. He isn't getting those good looks. No, he isn't I, getting a lane and, from and back that's there. A huge credit to I think Tom McClellan. He is game planning against Brent Burns, which is the absolutely right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Let's well, yeah, because we have to force it to go through the guys that are struggling. Which I mean, until yesterday was Pavelski, uh, mainly Pavelski, and and Kachir finally started to get something going too, um, which is great to see because of his injury. And we'll see if it's, Thornton can do something off of his injury now next game. Remember, Couture was the front runner for Con Smythe if Sharks mm-hmm. won the cup last year. So you know, even with Couture, I mean. The good thing about Couture's injury is, is it's pretty much relegated to his face, which we all know is not getting any better anyways. <laughs> Maybe an improvement um, as is. So it's the good thing is it's not in his hands. And while he is taking a beating, his shot seems to be pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So if he can keep that going, that's that's really good news for the Sharks. And also, I will say, Jumbo Joe looked pretty damn good in, in, the, in the last couple games. Or Sorry, just game... Just game four. Just game four. He looked he looked good to me at least. I mean the eye test he passed. Yeah, I think he'll he'll start to get back in the rhythm. I mean he's coming off of an injury, so it's gonna take one one or two games for him to you know feel fully comfortable out there. But I, the one thing going back to Kachir is he got rocked by Cassian in game two, and I just couldn't believe that. Like and that's also, that Cassian and then he he got I the just... stick in the face after mm-hmm. that in game four. And, so, and just the, the, the trainer's man. face was, like, almost more painful than Couture. So, you know what? I, I don't have a lot of respect for Couture, but I am earning a little bit. He he is earning a little bit in this series. Um, just a little bit, though. It's He's Not still lot, working on, like, 6 7%. Infinitesimal. Um, Anything else, though? Yes. Last but not least... The non-playoff news as we make our way west, or sorry, east, east, east of towards, us. towards the desert. Um, the Las Vegas Golden Knights have made news once again, and they hired a head coach, um, formerly with the Florida Panthers, and now with the Golden Knights, Gerard Glant. Yeah, the most, I don't know, probably going to be the most infamous firing ever, where he just had to get kicked off the bus. Oh no, he wasn't even kicked off the bus. He was he was called a cab, remember? Yeah, but I thought he like they like took his stuff. No, off no, the they bus. were they were at home. They were at home. They called him a cab uh, outside okay, the okay. arena, and him and his assistant coach got in the cab and 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 left. 
but but still not not yes, the best. Yes, in go. terms of the since the Twitter sphere was invented, that definitely made the rounds more than any others. Maybe John Tortorella was probably up there as well. Oh yeah, but especially like was... Team USA, and then when he fought with the when he was with the Rangers, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. a good one. Well, he's Torts is always a story, but uh, with Gallant, back to Gallant, yeah, yeah. So he that was an interesting firing because he had really made the Panthers into a, a notable franchise in the East for the last two seasons. Well, they had a 100-point season for the mm-hmm. first time in their like franchise. right, yeah. And then they had an awful season this year. Where And, and I will say Aaron Eckblad had concussion issues. They lost Willie Mitchell at the end of last year as, as a big, I would say, not, not a big defensive force, but a unifying force. Um, they also lost Sasha Barkov for a long time, as well as Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, Huberdeau? Yeah, I think it's Huberdeau, but I... I think Huberdeau just kind of came out as mm-hmm. like a, you know... Um, but anyways... Yes, Gallant had a very tough year, but at the same time, his career win percentage is only five eighteen. It's not, and that's that's nine years in the NHL. Uh, sorry, uh, as a coach, I think that's about six years in the NHL. Well, I think that as far as Vegas as a franchise is doing, with their messed up unveiling of the logo and the team name and all this, and the weird rules that are going around the expansion draft this is probably the silver lining so far is that they've signed a a decent coach i think so i think you're right there and that was basically my bottom line is they have an nhl experienced coach he won the stanley cup with detroit as a player as we mm-hmm. we talked about earlier he played 10 plus years in the nhl as a, as a winger so you he knows how he knows what it takes to win the stanley cup and he although he hasn't won it as a coach i think it I think that some of that translates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was with a young team in Florida. It's going to be a very young team. <laughs> you're going to have some vets in Vegas, but for the most part, you're going to have prospects. And he's the kind, you're not going to be expected to stay around forever as the, as the head coach of an expansion team. Mm-hmm. You're talking two, three years. You get him off the ground, maybe make the playoffs one year. You fail after that. It's time for the new coach. You know, I think the the George McPhee, the general manager for the for the Vegas Knights, said the most important thing was about hiring a head coach with NHL experiences. If the team sucks, you know it's not the coach. If you hire a new coach and you hire new players, which obviously they have to do mm-hmm. in that first year, if you don't do well, it's kind of a toss up. You don't know. Maybe it's the coach. Maybe it's the players. At this point, if you suck, you know it's the players. Gallant is not gonna be not gonna be a president's trophy winning coach. Yeah. But he is capable of getting you to the playoffs. So if your players are shit, it gives you a much better real or, or notification, I think, as a as a general manager, and it gives you a little more honesty. He knows what it what an NHL team needs. If you hire a coach that maybe has AHL team experience you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. They need an NHL. They need a coach with NHL experience. Well, that's kind of the point I wanted to make is that he's coached. Uh, he was an assistant coach for Team North America. He's coached, I mean, Panthers and other teams. He he knows the players that are in this league. So whoever they're going to acquire from this expansion draft, he's probably going to have a relationship with and be able to form, you know, some chemistry right off the bat because he already ha- knows these players. So I think it's a great that's a great signing for them. I mean, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head if there could be a better one, but. I don't see anything wrong with Gallant. Well, you think about it, uh, the other coaches available are Lindy Ruff from Dallas, and then uh, who was who else was just fired? Desjardins? Desjardins from, from Vancouver. Those are the two. I would say Desjardins is, is equally up there 
with because of the younger player stars aspect. Fire their coach? Uh, sorry, did the Stars fire their coach? They they fired their coach. Lindy Ruff was fired, oh, but they okay, also yeah. hired Ken Hitchcock. That's right. That's right. Which again, good hire. So I think two really good hires in the NHL. Ken Hitchcock with Dallas will be a good move in my opinion. Um, and then Gerard Gallant, I think it's I think it's the perfect move for Vegas. It's an easy move. It's a good coach that's got name recognition in the NHL. And, again, he knows kind of how to work with younger players, but also what an NHL team needs. I think it's the easiest home run they will hit this, this offseason, basically. For the basically, next year, I think. Because up next is the expansion draft, and uh, they said they will announce the results of that expansion draft the day of the draft lottery as well. So Okay. Which, by the way, Kings, according to their percentage, uh, have the highest chance of drafting number 10 in the lottery. That's not bad. So, obviously, Arizona will be above that. So will Winnipeg. Um, Or, no, actually, I think Winnipeg's at number 11. Um, But Colorado has the highest chance for number one, obviously. Um, But it should be an interesting draft. Because we'll get some expansion news as well. And if we... Oh, I, don't, I won't watch the lottery again. I'm only saying it's going to be an interesting draft for the, the lottery because for the first time, the Kings are in it. That's the only reason I'm Yeah, but I'm you can't that. make me watch that lottery show again. That was just the worst thing I watched all of last yeah, year. Yeah, I watched it once and and all I saw was Chiarelli jerking himself off. It was um, it was pretty cringeworthy the whole, the whole oh time. Oh, no, sorry. Not even Chiarelli. That must have been uh, Austin Matthews. It must have been Lou Lamorello at that point. Brandon Shanahan. But it wasn't even that. Guys. It was all the GMs just standing around like acting like right. they're not disappointed. Uh, God, that was bad. Yeah, so would not recommend watching it, but the results will be interesting. NHL, you still got some ways to go. <laughs> but until then, uh, I don't. Oh, well, let's see. Do you have time next week to podcast? Yeah, we'll be. We'll do it one more at least. So by next week, we'll know the final Pacific Division matchup. Mm-hmm. That'll be it. So. Uh, you think Oilers in seven? Yeah, I think Oilers. It's gonna be Oilers, Ducks, Oilers in seven. I think Oilers in six. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would. That game will have to go to overtime. If I that's think gonna Oilers happen. in six, and then in the next round, I will say Ducks in five. But you know, I had the Caps winning it. Also, what do I really know about predictions at this point, man? Series tied up. All right, well, uh, we will talk to you next week. I don't know if we'll have an episode after that. I guess we're just living on... Yeah, tune into the final playoff episode. Living on a whim at this point. But uh, thanks for thanks for listening, and talk to you next week. See you then.